Are you one of those people who, like me, kind of hates the sound of your own voice? Well, apparently, when you hear your own voice as you speak, internal bone conduction appears to boost the lower frequencies. So people generally perceive their own voice as deeper and richer. But then you listen back to yourself on a recording and your voice can sound thinner and higher pitched. And if you can't tell, I'm, I'm cringing. This is me to a T. And I'm just really glad I learned this right before I host a podcast. Before I host a podcast. Before I host a podcast. Anyway, this is Pulse Check. I'm Lauren Gardner. Here are a couple of headlines I'm watching this week. Cheryl Sandberg donated $3 million to ACLU to support abortion rights advocacy work. This was the biggest single donation to the ACLU's political work on abortion rights in the group's history. Also, the plan at the center of the U.S. baby formula shortage is now producing again, with formula back on some store shelves this week. And here with a data dive into the national nursing shortage is Politico editor Sean Zeller. Hey, it's good to be with you, Lauren. You know, we've known for the last couple of years that there have been a number of staffing shortages in hospitals throughout the U.S., both doctors and nurses alike. But it's been especially concerning in the nursing field. Another data point here that adds to that growing concern is that hundreds of thousands of nurses are approaching retirement. So it seems like a pretty bleak scenario. Right. Nurses went through hell and back um, during the COVID pandemic. We know that. And during last winter's wave, we at Politico reported that one in six hospitals had a critical nurse staffing shortage. And it's not hard to see why. Working with sick patients with an infectious disease before a vaccine was available. A lot of people were leaving the profession early right, because of the rigors of the job. Right. So the Biden administration allocated some stimulus money toward scholarships for candidates in in nursing schools who choose to work in places with staff shortages, So, and specifically on nursing. That's right. The $1.9 trillion bill that passed in March 2021, shortly after Biden uh, was inaugurated, passed uh, with only Democratic support in Congress. Part of that money is going towards helping states with nursing shortages separately from the the scholarships for nursing students, which they are doubling now to more than 500 scholarships per year, federal scholarships. So taking those two points together, are are there signs that these staffing shortages might be less of an issue in the near and medium term? I think so. I mean, it's, it's too early to tell. All those factors are still at play. Many nurses are reaching retirement age over the next several years, hundreds of thousands of nurses. And so they need to be replaced And I think one critical piece of data is if you look at enrollment at nursing schools, there was a lot of reason to fear that that would drop or that people wouldn't be applying because of the pandemic and the the difficulty of the work. But nursing schools, according to the association that represents those schools, saw a more than 3% increase in enrollment in 2021. And there was a 4% increase in the higher level doctor of nursing practice programs. And that follows the long upward trajectory in enrollment, which is, goes back 20 years. And so that, I think, is a positive sign that there will be new nurses to step in as current ones approaching retirement retire. Yeah, but g- given what you just said about you know there being a 
general increase over time in enrollment, I'll, I'll be really interested to see how this translates anecdotally on the ground. You know, from personal experience, one of my very close friends is a nurse and just hearing the stress of having to to deal with the demands of the job when there are still definitely a shortage out there and just not knowing when reinforcements are coming. I'll be curious to see how long it's going to take for this to actually translate from the numbers look good to here's the reality on the ground. We are filling these these slots and we are getting more nurses to places that really need them the most. For sure. You know, seeing an increase in nursing enrollment is good. It means the supply of nurses will grow But that's only one side of the equation, right? There's also the demand side. Mm -hmm. So we have an aging population here in the United States. Baby boomers are retiring en masse now. It's a huge generation. And that will increase the need for nurses as well. So is the the supply going to meet the demand? That is at the crux of the issue. And we can't say for sure that we're in position to meet the demand. Right. Plus, there's plenty of things that nurses can do besides, you know, work in the clinic, right, or, or work in a hospital. Uh, I mean, I, I know another nurse who left working with patients and does something else in the healthcare field now that she's well qualified to do, but doesn't involve dealing with patients on the ground, which is, you know, kind of what I think mainly what we're talking about here and speaks to that, I guess, great resignation of, of sorts. It's a fair point, Lauren, because the yeah. Association of Nursing Schools also said in its report on enrollment that there were some gaps in certain areas where there's less interest among nurses. So that's another issue to be resolved. If the nursing schools can expand their capacity, Mm -hmm. it could help. There were something like 76,000 students, the association said, that had been turned away because there weren't enough slots in the schools. So if somehow the nursing schools can can grow the enrollment by expanding their facilities, it could help. And we are seeing some states, for example, Missouri recently issued several million dollars in grants uh, to nursing schools in that state with the aim of expanding enrollment, making it possible for them to bring in more students than they have in the past. Did the association have more detail on what areas they're seeing less interest from prospective students? Yeah, interestingly, they had an increase in enrollment in entry-level nursing programs and doctoral programs, but the master's programs were down. I don't know quite what to make of that, but it is a potential warning sign. Interesting. Well, thanks, Sean, for walking through some of that data with us. Happy to do it. Now, before we go, I wanted to highlight the findings from a new study about bias in doctor's notes. The study was recently released by Professor David Markowitz at the University of Oregon. I studied the psychology of language. He compared notes doctors wrote. I looked at about 1.8 million critical care reports from a large hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, identifying how physicians wrote and focused differently about patients who were of different demographic backgrounds. So men versus women, in addition to people of color compared to white individuals. And it turns out? 
biased. What I discovered in this work is that language really matters and it identifies bias in physicians' critical care reports. What the evidence suggests, consistent with a lot of other research, is that women are written about differently than men. For example, physicians who attended to women tended to focus on their emotions more than, than when they talked and wrote about men. And they also wrote less about the emotions when they attended to black individuals compared to white individuals. And this is at the language level at scale, which is why it's really critically important. And this is some of the first work to suggest that at scale in a large number of individuals, over 48,000 patients, 1.8 million critical care reports over nearly a decade long of study, language can reveal bias at scale. So in order to change systems to reduce bias or attenuate it in our social systems, this evidence is really critical to point out our human blind spots. We find that bias is hidden in these lightweight linguistic cues. So we need to acknowledge the degree to which language really matters in medicine. And then also we can build guardrails as interventions to understand physicians who might be more inclined to be in situations where bias could be present. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Our editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Lauren Gardner. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. Thanks for listening. <laughs>